Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, Sources of Power, How People Make Decisions. When it comes to decision-making, especially important decisions, the process we think of is to list as many options as possible, shortlist some measures for evaluation, and then score each option before calculating which one has the highest overall value. In decision-making, this mode of thinking and behavior is known as the rational choice strategy. This way of decision-making requires us to be rigorous and objective, and to let the facts speak. These facts could come from the various experiments we do in the laboratory, as well as from the statistical analysis of the data collected. But for people like fire and military commanders, or emergency room doctors, who often face high-pressure situations, this rational choice strategy is too theoretical and inconvenient to use. The book explains that, in their work situations, the time available for decision-making is often limited, the consequences of making the wrong decision are serious, and there are even dangers that may threaten the safety of the decision-maker. Moreover, the situation in the field is changing all the time and decision-makers often have vague goals. The processes of thinking, analyzing, deciding, executing, and adjusting are often mixed together without clear boundaries. Under these circumstances, rational choice strategies are often impractical. In real-world situations, major decisions are generally made by experienced people, leaders with 20 to 30 years of relevant work experience. Experience is the key to making the right decisions quickly. Experienced leaders are able to evaluate the first plan that comes to mind, mentally simulate and implement it immediately if no problems are found. The whole process is often completed within a minute or two. This type of decision-making is different from the rational choice strategy mentioned earlier. It is the naturalistic decision-making approach. This approach emphasizes that human beings make instinctive judgments based on their own past experiences in real situations rather than relying entirely on reason and analysis. The author of this book is Gary Klein, a leading American cognitive psychologist and expert in the field of decision-making research, and one of the pioneers of the naturalistic decision-making approach. Klein's research method is extraordinary. Rather than conducting controlled experiments in a lab, Klein decided to find the type of people who needed to make crucial decisions quickly in a real-life situations, such as the fire commanders. He then tried to live their lives and observe them up close. This involved living at the fire department, wearing protective gear, jumping on the fire truck within 20 seconds of hearing the alarm, and observing up close how commanders made their decisions on the scene. Klein's research approach and perspective are different from many other decision researchers, and Nobel laureate Daniel Kahneman has praised him as a keen observer. Next, we will look at the main points of the book in three parts. Part 1 – How do people really make decisions? Part 2 – How to make good decisions using the RPD method? Part 3 – How to improve our RPD decision-making ability? Part 1 – How do people really make decisions? As mentioned earlier, there are two main ways people make decisions. One is the rational choice strategy and the other is the naturalistic decision-making model. These correspond to laboratory and real-life situations, respectively. Klein believes that rational choice, laboratory-based research is out of touch with reality. 
This research approach begins with assumptions about how people make decisions and then tries to conduct experiments to test whether these assumptions are correct. However, this type of research does not focus on the speed at which people make decisions in actual situations. To derive experimental data, laboratory research requires set conditions. Clear experimental objectives are determined to facilitate measurement, and they follow fixed experimental procedures, which generally separate decision and problem-solving into two completely distinct parts. In addition, these rational choice strategy studies set up convergent screening procedures. Instead of being valued, the personalities and professional experiences of the subjects are deliberately excluded as confounding factors. These people are called subjects, with no identity, and their personal characteristics are ignored. The findings from such studies are not practical and can hardly be used to guide people's decision-making behavior in real life. For example, it has been found that the calls of songbirds observed in laboratory situations during the stages of courting, nest building, mating, and tending the young are not the same as their calls in real-life situations in nature. A similar contrast may be observed in human subjects. Judges make different decisions in a moot court built in a laboratory setting than they do in a real courtroom, even when the cases are identical. Differing from laboratory-based, rational decision research, naturalistic decision research is case-oriented. Subjects are highly valued and are no longer referred to as subjects, but rather as participants or subject matter experts. Instead of harboring a predetermined correct answer, the researcher observes, with an open mind, what decisions the participants or subject matter experts make, even if they're unexpected. In other words, the power of the study shifts from the researcher to the decision-maker. As the participants change, the situations in which they make decisions also change. Klein's research was on life-and-death decisions under extreme time pressure and he chose fire captains as his main subject. Upon entering this high-stakes field, Klein soon noticed that the decision-making process of firefighters was quite amazing, as they actually almost never make decisions. In their own words, I don't make decisions. Upon arriving at the scene, they know what to do immediately, and the decisions they make are reflexive and based on experience. This method of decision-making is known as the Recognition Prime Decision Model or RPD, and it is the method of decision-making that people actually use in most real-world situations. The Recognition Prime Decision Model, as the name suggests, starts with recognition and is then swiftly followed by action. When faced with a complex situation, the decision-maker first identifies whether the first course of action that comes to mind is feasible, and then mentally simulates the entire process. If the evaluation goes well, the decision is implemented. If not, the next plan is evaluated. Let's look at a real-life case of an overpass rescue. A woman suspected of drug use in an apparent suicide attempt fell from an overpass on the highway. However, her fall was interrupted by a highway sign, from which she was discovered swaying precariously. The lieutenant who led the team that rescued her ordered his people not to climb up the metal pole supporting her because that might cause them or the woman to fall. Disregarding that order, two team members climbed up, one holding the woman by her shoulders and the other, her legs. Despite their insubordination, the lieutenant did not stop them. Finally, a hook-and-ladder truck arrived. Instead of using it for direct rescue, the lieutenant had it divert traffic under the overpass to prevent the woman from hitting a moving car if she were to fall. 
The lieutenant first considered using the rescue harness to move the woman to a safe place, but he quickly rejected this option. The rescue straps had to be secured to the torso and thighs, which required the woman to be in a sitting position or facing up. But it was a dangerous move to execute on an unstable sign. The lieutenant then considered attaching the harness from the back, but that wouldn't work either because the force might break her spine when they lifted her. The lieutenant suddenly remembered that there were two kinds of rescue straps. In addition to the commonly used snap-on harness, there was also a belt strap. The lieutenant quickly dismissed this option as the belt strap also required the woman to be in a sitting position or facing up. Eventually, the lieutenant came up with a novel idea, trying the ladder belt that firefighters typically use to secure themselves to their ladders. The lieutenant's plan was to have his team tie the ladder belt around the woman's waist from behind, fasten a rope to the snap, and then use the rope to lift her up to the overpass. The lieutenant repeatedly thought about it and felt this method would work, so he ordered his team to execute it. At this point, a fireman on the hook and ladder truck climbed to the top of the ladder and said he could grab the woman, but the lieutenant ignored him. The rescue operation began but soon went wrong as the ladder straps were designed for sturdy male firefighters wearing bulky coats and were too wide for the petite woman, causing her to slip out of the ladder belt and fall. Fortunately, there was a happy ending as the firefighter on the hook and ladder truck was able to reach out and catch her. What do you think about this story? Do you feel it's full of mistakes? Two team members didn't listen to their lieutenant's orders and climbed up the column anyway. Further, the lieutenant didn't stop them. The fireman on the hook and ladder truck told them he could reach the woman but the lieutenant ignored him. The lieutenant also failed to consider that the ladder straps might not be the right size for the woman, resulting in a near catastrophe. However, all these seemingly unreasonable errors in judgment are exactly what happen in real situations. The lieutenant observed the situation as two team members climbed up the metal pole, and he found that it was not unstable, so he forgave their disobedience, treating it as part of an ever-changing situation. This led to the implementation of the later plan of using ladder straps to rescue the woman. The lieutenant ignored the suggestions of the firefighter on the hook and ladder truck because the woman was still swaying on the billboard and he did not have extra time to evaluate another plan as the one that was being implemented seemed perfectly feasible to him after evaluation. The lieutenant's mistake was not taking into account the size of the ladder strap, but this was an unavoidable oversight in a real-world situation. After all, few can anticipate all possible factors in a minute and execute a plan flawlessly. What caught Klein's attention in this case was that the lieutenant did not use a comparative evaluation but rather a singular evaluation approach. Instead of comparing several options, he considered one option at a time. All options were considered in turn and rejected one by one until a feasible one was found. The lieutenant first rejected the idea of sending a team member to climb the metal pole for direct rescue. He then rejected the option of direct rescue by the hook and ladder truck. Subsequently, he tossed out the rescue harness and strap ideas. Finally, he decided on the ladder belt as the best option. What process did the lieutenant use to choose or reject these options? The answer is mental simulation. This refers to running the action through one's mind in order to imagine the results and the consequences of an action. Mental simulation requires extensive experience and the lieutenant had that experience. 
Klein conducted a statistical survey of a number of decision-makers and found that, out of a total of 156 decisions, the number of cases using singular evaluation was 127. Only 18 were made after the decision-maker had compared two or more options. If by decision-making, we mean making a comparative evaluation of two or more options, then it is true that fire commanders rarely make decisions. They only consider one option at a time until a viable option appears. This is the RPD process explicated by Klein. This concludes the first part of how people actually make decisions. Rational choice research in the laboratory does not reflect the way people make decisions in real situations. Naturalistic decision-making research, on the other hand, focuses on in-field studies, observing how people make decisions in real situations. From observing the way fire commanders make decisions, Klein concludes that people use the RPD method in real-life situations to evaluate options one after another until a feasible option emerges. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now. Dir hat dieser Podcast gefallen? Dann klicke jetzt auf Abonnieren und empfehle ihn weiter. Bleib immer auf dem Laufenden und folge uns bei Twitter, Instagram und Facebook. Mehr Podcasts findest du auf meinpodcast.de.